This episode is brought to you by the Commercial Bank of Grayson, McFarland Murray Chevrolet, and our contributors at Patreon. For the last century, the Voynich Manuscript, a Renaissance codex written in an unknown language, has resisted all attempts to fathom its mysteries. Over the years, a number of theories about the volume have been proposed. It has been identified as a botanical guide to non-existent plants, a cosmological treatise, a war story, a catalog of magic potion recipes, a contraceptive guide, an extraterrestrial diary, a study of the transmutation of the Philosopher's Stone, and even the work of elves. Some have also said it's simply a very clever hoax and that its content is gibberish. Discoveries may excite our blood, but mysteries sustain our souls. When we're strong and arrogant, mysteries remind us of how little we know of God's world. And when we are weak and desperate, they only encourage us to believe that anything is possible. Podcast. My name is Ben James. I'm your host. We are here in the Mad Lab Studios again this evening, I'm joined by my co-host. Well, one of the plethora of co-hosts that it seems like revolves in and out of the studio here. But uh, gentleman who you're it is not too long in our distant past here. Mike Walker's back with us this evening. Yes, yes. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Again, clapping. This time, not away from the microphone, almost directly, just right into the microphone. It makes it sound like the masses are moving a little bit closer. Like, yes, you know, yes. The, I mean, that, that's how I planned this. Didn't you know that? Yeah, I mean, the, come on. The throngs of people just yes. have to, you know, make their way through security, the lines of security that we have here, into the presence of Michael. Well, we, well yes. Uh, well, I have my, I have my group, my crew that comes in with me every time. Uh, you can plainly see them. On, on this podcast. I mean, if you can, I mean, come on. Yeah. Look, I mean, just look at the podcast. Mike, Mike Gollihue. Yeah. Yeah, that's <laughs> so. But we are getting ready to enter into the final episode on our series on the Voynich Manuscript. We did a little bit of a preview episode, about 10 minutes long in its... Um, in its entirety, just to give you, you know, just kind of wet your taste buds a little bit as to what was coming with the Voynich Manuscript. Then you and I dove into uh, kind of the description, a little bit of the history, a little bit of the background and backstory uh, in the Voynich Manuscript in episode number one. And I would say with this being the final wrap-up episode, it's not necessary to go back and listen to the preview but it would be a good idea if you've not heard the first full episode on the Voynich Manuscript. Go back, listen to that now. Or if you just want to get wild, crazy, and out of control, just listen to this completely out of context, and we're going to throw some pretty crazy theories out there you know, at you and, and, and don't have a clue what we're talking about. Well, and that kind of goes back into this episode of the Voynich Manuscript. You're going to see a lot of things that's going to be happening, and this might make completely sense to you once you start diving into it, because then you're going to go, well, what's the Voynich Manuscript? Then we're going to go back and look at it then who knows right so you know this one is going to be a theories episode um it um 
we're, we're going to look at kind of the a wide range of them. Uh, we may even give at the end our opinions as to what we think it is. I don't I don't hesitate from doing that in most of our episodes that we look at you know some unresolved issues or some things that you can't concretely arrive at, and I don't shy away from that just because I think that with the amount of information that's available, the research that we've done, I think that sometimes that's just good for us to be able to throw out there. Here's what we've boiled it down to, and what where we feel like we've reduced it down. This one we will probably do it. I I don't know. You know, this is one of those that I actually question in my mind. Should we even do that? Just because there's so many questions that surround this thing. There is, but that's also twofold too. And and maybe you are going to show something new, uh, new aspect that maybe other other folks that have listened to and whatnot and go. Well, I can actually see that point. But on the flip side of it, you are asking for my opinion. There's not a whole lot of people asking for my opinion on certain things. This so, is true. This yeah. is true. This could be the last podcast episode for Beyond the Walls. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, it's been a good ride. It's been a good ride. I've enjoyed it. Uh, I'm pretty sure the hate mail is going to send, don't send him back. Do do not send him back. But, you know, for the one three fans that are listening to this right now that is my family members that you're going to get a good review from me so like I, like we said in the first uh, episode of the voynich manuscript all complaints go to our complaint department a baldwin at beyond the walls podcast.com just a few housekeeping things real quickly before we get into the episode itself just want to say thank you uh, to you guys our listeners we have been tipping the scales here so to speak the past the interview that we did with pastor bo adams is now our a new high water mark, so to speak, uh, with over 50,000 downloads and listens. Um, that is an absolute astronomical number in my mind as we started this a year ago. And what was it, 32 that yeah, I think we said? It was 32 or 34. I looked at the original ones, and I'm sorry I don't have the show notes in front of me. Yeah, but, well, that's you yeah. know, that just kind of off the cuff there. That's, you know, whenever we came out of the gate swinging strong at 30-some downloads with the first episode, that type of number um, was just unfathomable you know independent podcasting if you if you are a podcast fan i encourage you i mean i I listen to some of the bigger shows i I listen to some of the things that you know a lot of the the companies are producing the major corporations and they're good podcasts they're they're really good quality stuff but do not forsake the independent podcasters because guys just as as one myself i can tell you the amount of work the amount of time, the amount of effort that goes into this. And just like me, 99% of your independent podcasters you know, hold down a, a separate full-time job, family obligations, community obligations, and this very much is a passion project for independent podcasters. Absolutely. We, we, we love doing this, uh, and it just is, is a little bit more rewarding. Uh, whenever you see, uh, you know, others, you know, you're all enjoying uh, what we do, and we appreciate that. And if you do enjoy what we do, whatever podcast platform you listen to us on, whether it be iTunes, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, you know, in, any of those, whatever podcast platform you listen to us on, guys, one of the biggest things that you can do, word, word of mouth is still the number one, you know, way that we that that any podcast gets exposure, but. The ratings and reviews, that's how you get noticed whenever there are the the five-star ratings, the positive reviews, those actually help us climb the visibility charts within the podcast platforms more than you'll ever know. So we appreciate you guys a lot. Um, So let's get into the Voynich Manuscript, the theories episode here that we're doing. We are, it's... 
it's going to go from conservative to just fringe. Yes. You know, way out past the fringe. It, yes, and there is a lot of fringe theories out oh, there. Oh, absolutely. As well. well, when you're when you've got this mystery that no one has been able to settle on. I mean, it's you know we're, we're dealing with a document that's hundreds of years old that has been researched and tried you know the, tried to be interpreted you know back when it was originally done or when it was originally discovered. But for the better part of the last hundred years since 1912, I, I believe it was 1917 when when the real first uh, you know uh, pointed effort at trying to crack this thing and interpret this was done so we're looking at at a hundred years and there's really not a whole lot of progress made i mean there's there's some that, that some people can agree upon but overall we we still know about as much about it now as what we did when Voynich purchased it in 1912. Exactly. There has been some new articles that have came out actually since uh, you and I first put this podcast out that has uh, some some very interesting quotes in it, but uh, some new discoveries that they've said uh, that they've seen in it. So I, I was very curious. I recently read uh, a, a new article from CNN, actually, that had a professor looking at this, and I will dive into that just here shortly, but it was it was kind of interesting when I was doing the show notes for this, and I went, well, wasn't that just about the same time that we put the podcast out? So that was that was some very neat things there. So, so basically what you're saying is CNN is following us yes. and trying to just stay a step ahead of us because they can produce content quicker than yes. we can. What, what's one of the, the, the theories out here that, that intrigues you the most, Mr. Walker? Uh, well, there there, there's two. Uh, one theory that I want to come swinging right out of the gates with uh, is is from a a blogger. I'm sorry, I didn't really dive into him, and I don't want to uh, be malice towards his name, but his name uh, did catch my eye. Uh, but he believes that it was written in a different dialect of the Hebrew language. And surprise, surprise, it was a warning of the end times. Are you talking about Big Jim here? Big Jim. Big Jim. James Finn. James Finn. Is actually his name. Yes. So tell us a little bit about that. Uh, what he believes, and yet again, just a little small snippet that what I got off of it, just diving into him, you know, a different dialect of Hebrew. And that made me kind of think, I didn't really realize that there was a different dialect of the Hebrew language. And... And when you when you say the Hebrew language, a lot of people automatically, oh well, this is go back to the end times. But it's mainly from the Mayans. You don't really hear that from the Hebrew language. Um, but that kind of just kind of threw me off when I when I saw that. And later on down, even made a reference of a made up language out of it. And that just kind of wait a second here, hold on. We're we're seeing this. We're we're correlating something that we don't know about, but you you want to proclaim end times that are coming. Uh, that that's something that just kind of threw me off on that one. Yeah, a little bit of an update notice here from from what I'm reading right now on this because this is one that I had seen before too. And, and basically, um, with our theories episode, what what I like to do is we, there's not a whole lot of co- um, cooperation between uh, between us beforehand i basically just sent you a message and say hey develop your top theories that you would like to talk about on the voynich manuscript i'll develop mine and then we'll just kind of bounce them off of each other but this is one of them that i had run across in my research also uh, and he has a little bit of an update notice on his um on his web page and i'll i'll 
read you a couple paragraphs here on this. Uh, He says, quote, due to the fact that the only complaint I have had about this work from outside people reading it for the first time is the star people connection, which unfortunately for you is a historical part of the end times destruction story, whether you like it or not. I offer a second, more down-to-earth choice for the appearance of the pertinent sections of the Voynich Manuscript. All of the end times data I have looked at to date shows it is possible that humans have had this information hidden away for a millennia. The last release of this end times info was a complete failure because it simply was the wrong time to release it to humanity. End quote. So you're right. He's talking about it being in, you know, a, a created language or an ancient Hebrewic language. But then he goes on to say that this is information that man has had for a very, very long time. That when it was released, it was released at the wrong time. He's not saying that the manuscript is wrong, nor that the information contained in it is wrong right. or inaccurate. He just says that the timing was wrong, that it wasn't supposed to be released at that point. Right, right. And that dives into another question. Maybe this is for another episode. What else is out there that has not been released to us just because it's not the right time? You know, I come from a marketing background, and, you know, everything is timing and marketing 101 uh, for this. So he's on to something there. There are certain things in life that humans cannot wrap their heads around just yet because it has to be presented at the right time and in the right way yeah he's he's very much in uh, an ancient alien uh, believer uh yeah he's going back to some middle ages and just some imagery um he's he's got some you know i'll, I'll put a link in the show notes to this page because i mean it is captivating reading and you know that here here's the thing about this is yeah, he's done more work on it than what you and i have yeah, I mean, he's put more energy into it. I, and while this may be laughable uh, and just eye rolling to some, you know, I always the one thing that I do appreciate about people who uh, who do stuff like this and do it from from what they're presenting, they're doing it well. Is the amount of effort and energy that they put into it, regardless of how ludicrous that we might think that it is. Hey, he's doing more work than we are. Right. And this was just a brief article that I had found, and I I didn't dive. Yet again, I didn't even dive in a quarter of the time of what you did with him. Mm-hmm. So imagine the time frame and the the energy, just like you said, spent into this, diving even deeper. And, and for you listeners, that's kind of giving you a, a spectrum of, all right, these guys have spent a couple hours. What has this guy done? Yeah, yeah, because I mean, he goes back to you know talking about medieval times, how he theorizes that there was something significant happened from an extraterrestrial standpoint mm-hmm. back in the medieval times, just for one of the reasons, if nothing more, that there are a, a lot of the artists back in their time has what seems to be. Uh, well, I mean, they, they are UFOs, basically, mm-hmm. you know, unidentified flying objects in the backgrounds of their paintings. Now, whether they're alien or not, we don't know. Uh, but that's that's kind of where he's building this. So there's there's a little bit of a medieval uh, extraterrestrial connection that he puts in there, but he even goes back further than that. So he, he's very much, um, you know, like I said, the ancient aliens theory. Right. Right. So you asked me, you know, what was the the top theories that I found, and I told you I had I had two. So before we move on to the second one, Mr. James, what was yours? One of them that 
that I like, and we are um, maybe one of the last theories that we'll get to is, is going to kind of explain because one of the things that we do is we have a couple uh, series mm-hmm. out there that are, are still, you know, we've not put the, the closing chapters on them yet. And and that's on purpose, not just because we've had limited studio time. It's actually on purpose, and I'll explain that later. But I, I, I kind of approach it. While I did read the Alien one, I am more of a conspiracy kind of guy. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying I'm closing the door on any type of extraterrestrial stuff because that stuff fascinates me, but that's where not that's not where my natural inclination goes. Right. My, my natural inclination will go more to the unexplained, mysterious, conspiratorial type thing. Um, but I um, I like the Richard Rogers theory on this. Uh, Richard Rogers, he's a 58-year-old U.S. Army and Navy computer programmer from North Carolina. He has claimed to have solved the mystery of the Voynich Manuscript, and of course he wanted you know, someone to post these findings. He basically says that ancient history, languages, and computer science that were originally used, that he called, that we've referred to before, Voynichese, it was just a logarithmic made-up language. You know, has similarity to, you know, to ZIF laws with support software, um, computer programming languages. He he basically says that he believes that the Voynich Manuscript is a very early, very crude, and very rough example of almost like a computer logarithm, uh, computer language, and computer code that was written long before any of the technology existed. Right, and we actually talked about that in the first episode. If you if you remember going back, and if you haven't listened to it, we we, we discussed the IBM punch card. Yes, and, and that kind of solidifies that aspect of it. Of okay, hold on, maybe we do have this uh, this punch card uh, for my IT folks. We have this punch card that is showing uh, down the road. Um, you know, maybe it's not a word cipher whatsoever, and we're sitting here looking for the keyword, and that's what we're doing here. But you're you're right on track with that. Mm-hmm. You know, what is this? Let's let's break that down just a little bit here and see if we can explain it a little bit better. Which I, you know, we're miles away from. I'm miles away from understanding what Rogers is trying to say here. Man is far more intelligent in this area than what I will ever be, so I'm not claiming to understand it. Right. But we are unfolding this even more for our listeners that doesn't uh, that doesn't have the time. Right. Because you said the average uh, commute is what twenty one minutes. Twenty one minutes. Twenty one minutes. Yep. So there's your fun fact for the day yeah. again. And we just we're just going to keep repeating that one fun fact for the day. Every episode is going to be the it's twenty one minutes is the average commute in America. Maybe that's what we need to do one day is actually do a twenty one minute podcast. There you go to the dot. There you go. We're not that accurate. We're not that punctual. It's not going to happen. All right, so here's how it all starts. Rogers believes that the Voynich's letter express a kind of a symbolic language, which he calls proto sentinel logic or Centennial Propositional Calculus. Okay, well, I understand what you're saying, but for our listeners, won't you unfold that just a little bit more? Basically, he's saying that he it's encoded secret shapes, which he calls runes or runic glyphs, without going into a lot of language 
things that we don't understand, things that you're probably not going to understand. We understand that uh, that sometimes logarithms and things of that nature can be a little bit confusing, yes. even when you're sitting looking at it, much less just trying to listen to it. Well, it, it's confusing for me. That's the reason why I asked. You know, can we can we unfold this a little bit? Mm-hmm. Uh, because I know I don't. Yeah. Well, when he gets into the symbolism and he begins to talk about runes and, mm-hmm. and runes and, and things of that type of logic, here are seven specific rules that Rogers believes Voynichis expresses. Rule number one, each line is an independent standalone action. There is no punctuation because none is needed. Right. So we highlighted that in the first episode that we talked about, that there was no punctuation in you know in the manuscript we related that to ancient hebrew how there was no punctuation in ancient hebrew writings right. uh, so you know that kind of lent us towards well maybe we lean towards thinking this is some type of takeoff of a hebrew language or right. writing basically what he's stating here is that there's no need for punctuation because each line is an independent standalone action there that, that there's no need for separation because it doesn't it just doesn't run on right so that's that's rule number one rule number two all rule oriented expressions or ROEs are all non mathematical algebraic draw and copy operations based on a five by five numbered solution grid okay basically take that. And everything's done on a five-by-five grid. He's blocking each sheet, each section of the manuscript into the five-by-five. And he's saying that that's where it goes. Um, You know, it's a drawing copy. It's an operation of that. Everything that's intended in that message is in that five-by-five block right right there. And that's unfolding this even more for us. Right. Uh, So he's developing a little bit of a code here, a codex within the manuscript itself. Again, whether we agree with this or not, the man's done some work. He's done some work. So that's rule number two. Rule number three, draw operations always assume a horizontal top and bottom, left to right sequence unless modified by a functional character. Uh, For example, a shape flag, a left, right, top, bottom marking, etc., Something like that. So he's saying that unless there is something different that we notice in one of the pages or one of the sections, then everything is always horizontal, you know, top to bottom, left to right, in that type of sequence, unless it's modified by a different functional symbol. Rule number four, all ROAs encapsulate one of eight turnstiles. Sometimes eight is applied as a turnstile. Well, now that's interesting. Yeah, I didn't think about that. So, tell us your thoughts on that, just as it just as it rolls through. Uh, so, it falls back to our original episode is when we started looking into uh, the history of the book, whatnot. Before we even started theories, now we're starting to confirm of an original episode here that it is left to right, mm-hmm. horizontal up and down. Now we're diving into it, and there is a sequence to this. So, let's go back just a few more steps. It's a punch card. Mm-hmm. We're, we're, we're seeing this rhythmically mm-hmm. going down the page here, and we're seeing it. I dare call it a cadence. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, you know, this is what it's this is what it's looking like. So now, as you're looking at the show notes at the pictures, as this is now seeing boom, 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 mm-hmm. boom. 
so, and then start again with that turnstile right. as it goes. And again, he's breaking. He, he rule number five breaks the turnstiles down here because that was rule number four of eight turnstiles. Right. Rule number five is that the eight turnstile shapes are broken into positional sets of functions, and these functions are two. Number one, two stave turnstiles and two stake turnstiles in in the left set. Okay. So, I mean, here he's breaking it down even more. And then there's four stave turnstiles and two stake turnstiles in the right set. Right. So even even if you don't, even if the the whole stave um, and you know turnstiles and everything has just kind of you're you're lost on that. I right. get it. I get it. Don't don't think you're alone. But understand that he's looking at this for, like you mentioned from a cadence, from a rhythm, right. from a, a a blueprinted thing. Here is like each thing is going to follow a certain cadence in the writing. Right. Right, and you're probably thinking the listeners right now, well, this has to do with the original episode, what we were talking about. No, now we're going to bring it back home with our theories because now that there's there's several theories out there, and, and I'm not going to quote each one that we go into. Uh, one quotation from uh, an individual was uh, made-up language. Um, it was uh, a known blogger not only constructed the script, but also uh, that that somebody else constructed the script uh just going down through the show notes and, and pages upon pages it, somebody put a lot of time and effort into this as you're looking at it so now we're starting to eliminate theories with this even though yeah there still is multiple ones now we're starting to eliminate some of the sillier ones of going okay there's actually scientific fact of what this was Mm -hmm. of the style the cadence of how things are done so even some of the ones that are way off the wall here they're yeah they're they're just off the wall Mm -hmm. the the ones the the more logics that we have and the more theories that we have here is sitting here going all right. Well, this this is starting to make a whole lot more sense now. Right. Well, and and if you know, just to just to side note this, just very quickly, if you're you know, it, we've used the word cadence and rhythm a lot in here. Uh, just put in your mind poetry. Mm-hmm. You know, because with with poetry, there's there's a cadence, there's a rhythm, uh, there's there's this melodic almost timing right uh, within the poetry, and that's right. what he's referring to here. So I'm going to wrap up this Rogers theory okay. here with this and this is the the last paragraph of the gentleman who's actually i'm not reading this from rogers he, he's got a footnote so i mean he's he's referencing rogers actual work but this is the guy that he had talked to before he went public with it and this is his wrap-up paragraph oh. on rogers work he says quote of course in the absence of any wi- widely agreed decryption of even a single word it's almost impossible to disprove any assertion anyone makes about the Voynich Manuscript. And naturally, it is this rich loom of uncertainty that helps the Voynich theories to flourish so much. But now I have to go and lie down. My head's hurting from all the proto-sentinel calculus, just like it did every other time I tried to write this article up." He's my hero. Yeah, amen. <laughs> amen. All right, Mr. Walker, what's your next theory oh, that you would like to present see, to now, us? See, you, now, you just went through a theory that was very rhythmic and, and intellectual, and my second theory is, and please understand, this does not 
This is not my theory. This is just one of the. But theories. this is this is one of them that stood out to you. Uh, it, it, it did. And, and let's let's go back to the original episode on this when I said this was the most abnormal, off-center topic. I even think I used the word weird. No, that's topic. what you used about me. Okay, tomato, tomato. <laughs> I think this is just showing. This episode is is showing our listeners exactly why I made that statement. Because not that I am normal, far from it. But you guys are seeing who is giving the more, like I said, the more conservative theories, and then the ones that are just off of center. So hey, you're holding form, man. Go for it. I'm consistent. That that that's what I always say. I'm at least I'm consistent. So um, <laughs> the the biggest theory is the one that caught my eye the most. And yes, I know listeners, you cannot see, but I'm actually still rubbing my head uh, on this one. Uh, a low tech hoax. Okay. Somebody. So what? What would make a difference between a low tech hoax and a high tech hoax? Just uh, because it's on paper and done with iron gall uh, ink? This or? Th- this wasn't done with Facebook times. You mean Facebook wasn't around back in this? Yeah, that's what I'm trying to say. How did the world exist? I don't know. I don't know. Okay. And this and and you're laughing at me, but this is actually one of the one of the, the thoughts that came through my head when I first read this, because it was when I was scrolling through one of them. It's a low-tech hoax. I had to push my computer away and go, low-tech? What do you mean by low-tech? Just because it's pen and paper or before Facebook or what? So that's that's the reason why. But one of the predominant theories, regardless of how it's subcategorized, is that whether it's low-tech, high-tech, whatever, one of the most popular theories is that this is just a hoax. Yeah. So this is, I, I think a low-tech hoax kind of goes into a subcategory of it's a hoax. So now, let's let's talk about the low-techness. Well, it's it. not necessarily the low-tech. Let's focus in on the word hoax. Okay. When you do a hoax on somebody, you got to make it as real as humanly possible, right? Right. So think about it. If this was such flawlessness, because we talked about in the previous episode, that somebody sat down and wrote it all at one time, mm-hmm. correct? Mm-hmm. And to go back and just, sorry to interrupt, but there are some people now who who believe that there were some minor corrections made. And I've seen some pictures that they use as evidence. I'm I'm not saying that I'm convinced. Of that, but I could see where they got it from. Right. So I'm no, 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 no. Go ahead. No, no. That that that's perfect. But yet again, going to the word hoax, it's something flawless. Where, you know, because you always want to get that one person that gotcha, and you make it as real as humanly possible. But look at the look at the uh, consistency. Mm-hmm. Well, even even though there was a few things changed, the consistency. That's why it was so flawless. What if it actually was a hoax? I, I, I don't think it's going to be one of those, hey, y'all, watch this. But this is going to be my ultimate joke. This is going to be it. This is going to be my legacy. This is it. We're going to be talking about this hoax for years. And we still are. Yeah. What if this is actually a hoax? But still, we're still talking about it. Even though it does look flawless... But uh, I I personally don't believe it was a hoax. Mm-hmm. That's me personally. Um, if it was a hoax, who did it? Well, that's that that's what I'm sitting here thinking. Is that yes, the goal of a hoax 
is to number one make it look as real and authentic as possible that way that you've got the guiding you know kind of moment i get that but i believe that there's also an aspect of being a creator or an author of a hoax i think that at some point the best part of the hoax is revealing that not only did i get you but you're realizing who got you right and 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 without us being able to track authorship or real origin or something i don't i don't know i i I enjoy a good practical joke as much as anybody but you know what at the end of the day when it's all done i want them to know it was me right so that and, and again that's that's my simplistic brain processing through this and thinking about this but the understanding of maybe maybe here just goes to show you a little glimpse into me my biggest hang up with accepting the fact that this is this is a hoax is that you don't have the goofball in the corner after some some amount of time going got you yeah you know uh, one thing when i was reading this article about the hoax and whatnot yeah, I did push it away, but there was only a small snippet, and I do mean I, I I don't know whether if it was a accidental or just simply put in into this article. It was, what if Bacon was trying to solidify his mark on the world? That's oh, all it said. Okay, so you brought up a name there, Bacon, Roger Bacon. Yep. Okay. Yep, Roger Bacon, and that's the only time that this article says a word about an author. And I went, I wonder if somebody oopsied on that one, or are they trying to plant something? I, I believe just from what I've read, uh, and I don't have it in front of me here, so I apologize for that. I believe that the, the bacon theory has been disproved. Okay. As as I sit here and I look in, in the studio, you know, the Mad Lab Studios here, which is formerly one of my daughter's bedrooms. You know, that's my wife allowed me to to you know redo it and I, I love how you put that my my wife allowed me to do it well yeah what did you expect me to say <laughs> Are you kidding me listen i celebrate a 20-year anniversary at the beginning of next month i did not make it that long by being a complete moron <laughs> <laughs> okay. a, a moron, yes. Well, all joking aside, congratulations on the 20 Thank years. You. Wonderful. And I know that this family, I've known them for many years. You will survive another 20 days after that. But that's besides the point. Well, no. thank you. I appreciate the no, confidence uh, there. This, this, this couple here, and to kind of explain, um, Ben and Kim, they will not only be together for 20 years, but 20 more, then 20 more, then 20 more. So congratulations on it from not only a listener, but a fan, but also a friend. Congratulations. Thank you, brother. Appreciate that very much. And what got us off on that rabbit trail is my daughter has a bookmark directly behind you there on the mirror that is that's bacon patterned. And you it's know that, what? It's that simple, ladies and gentlemen. I, I'm I'm sitting here looking at it, and we will take a picture of it and put it on the that show sounds notes. That's great. I mean, completely derailed the episode <laughs> yeah. over Roger Bacon and a stinking bookmark that looks like bacon. Nice. So anyhow, but I, yeah, I believe that it, as many things can be concretely disproven and, and put to bed, I believe that Roger Bacon and his authorship has been good uh, put to bed. Good. Now there's there's a couple of them as we will, you know, we'll, we'll begin to you know this is kind of the descent 
into right. landing. You know, the, the, the pilots will always get on there and say it's going to be at least another 20 minutes before we land, but we're starting our descent yeah. uh, into the end of the episode here. And there, there's a couple of them that I was actually just going to throw out there in passing as, hey, these are theorized but, but disproven. Roger Bacon was one of those. Uh, there's also a, a very interesting, we will go with interesting, YouTube video which connects the Voynich Manuscript with Ponce de Leon and his pursuit of the Fountain of Youth. Really? Yes. Which I have issue with from the standpoint of, I don't think it's historically accurate that Ponce de Leon's conquest and his adventure was all about the Fountain of Youth. Right. That's what we're i mean it, it may have been part of it but he he was like every other uh explorer that came during that time period and before him he was after the money right he was after gold right but he this person feels like that the voynich manuscript is almost like a cipher and a revelation into the findings of ponce de leon so i mean if you're looking at it some of the illustrations i i guess that I could look at it and say, okay, that that almost, you know, that looks fantastical enough that if we're going to go that there is a fountain somewhere right. that will provide you with everlasting youth, then let's get fantastical about it. Right. So that's that's just one of them that I wanted well, to throw out go, there. Go back to looking at the waterways. The, yeah, the, the tubing. Yeah, yeah, the tubing. Maybe that's the tubing to the fountain of youth, and that's the reason why uh, the, the female characters were in it, because they wanted to stay youthful forever, because they, uh, for whatever reason, I've, who knows. Yep. So here's, here's going to be my last theory that I want to present. And this is a theory by Dr. Leo Levitov. And the reason that I wanted to wait towards the end here is because he connects with the couple episode series that we have that we've not put that little pretty bow on it to wrap it up. Okay. Those two are both the episodes that we've been doing on some reformers. We did one on John Wycliffe. And we've done a couple on John Huss. Um, One of them has not been released yet, but we we have that done. And then another is on the Cathars. Okay. uh, The Cathar Crusades or the Albigensian Crusades. The reason that we have not done or released any more on those is because I wanted to get through the Voynich Manuscript first. And here is how I'm tying those together. Levitov's theory is that this is written in a book and a manuscript that is from the Cathar time period and is done for the Cathars. Okay. He believed that the claim was that Catharism was actually a survival of the antique pagan cult of Isis, Osiris, and Horus. Now, we'll, we'll get into dispelling this a little bit, but I did feel like this is one of the more well-articulated claims because 
for it to be, you know, there are several people out here who consider the Voynich Manuscript to be a Reformation period document. We know it's a Reformation period document just because of the carbon dating and the aging of it. Right. But there are some that believe that this is a almost a secret language or code that the Reformers, the Protestant Reformers back in the Middle Ages, used to communicate and to teach and develop their own religion and their own ideas and theologies. Right. So that's what he basically says, and I and I want to read you a few things that he says that his claims are, and then we'll go back and and kind of close this out because this is a fascinating theory. Okay. It's way off of center and, and not correct. And we'll address that. But I do believe that it's it's legitimate enough from the span of, again, if we're going to go category, subcategories. Right. This would be a subcategory off of the theory of it's that, that Protestants used it during the Reformation. Or you have me intrigued, so okay. please. Okay. So he claims that, you know, Catharism was not a branch of Christianity which is historically accurate as to what it is. And if you've not listened to our first episode on the Cathars, go, you know, once this episode is done, go back, listen to that, right. and you will at least find out what the foundations of Catharism is. Okay. But he says that the Voynich Manual is not a testament. It is a prayer manual in the liturgy and form probably of a litany, so that there is no other theological word used, not Jesus, Mary, Jehovah, nor Moses. It concerns itself with expressions of the functions of Isis. Ye who are troubled, come to me, and I will give you rest. On one of the other pages of the Voynich Manuscript, at the top left is a figure of Isis holding a bell-like instrument that is sacred to her. He goes on to say, actually, there is not a single so-called botanical illustration. Now, pause there from the quote. The botanical aspect of this manuscript is the biggest section of it, period. I mean, right. we mentioned in the first episode that the botanical is at least 50%. At right. least half of the manuscript is botanical, at least from the illustrations. He continues to go on, there's not a single so-called botanical illustration which does not contain some Cathar symbol or Isis symbol. There is, as I have said before, no attempt to conceal the nature of this manuscript. The innumerable stars in the Voynich star illustrations are representative of the stars in Isis mantle. The eyes of Oris appear in the shapes of the leaves on page 42 of the manuscript, which we'll post a picture of it. Uh, now, Levitov's major sources on medieval heresy seem um, shaky at best, I think is, is how we should say it. But he continues on. Uh, Levitov says, quote, No matter what historian one reads regarding this period of European history, one never finds the Cathari described as anything other than a Christian heretical sect. He also freely admits, at no place in history, and I've spent hundreds of hours of research in my own public in my own and public libraries, does the concept of ISIS appear. 
Sound like he's contradicting himself? Just just a touch. It seems that's what he's doing. Now, he had a lot, what you will find in through this, is there is a lot of ignorance, not, not stupidity, not unlearnedness, but there are claims of his ignorance of the surviving Cathar writings in modern translations. Right. What they're saying is that he has... During his research, he shut the door to any surviving Cathar documents. Right. Because, and part two of our Cathar series, we'll get into this a little bit more in depth, is that there is still very much alive a school of thought today that all Cathar documents were destroyed, were done away with. And that's just simply not the case. But there are still some people who wholeheartedly believe that. And Levitoff was one of them. Right. So he just took the limited, um, and again, you know, history is written by the victors. We understand that. And the Cathars were not the victors in the overall crusade. No. In the in you know in no. that Languedoc region, won a few battles but did not win the war. Right. Right. Uh, so you know that's basically what he's saying is that. Since history is written by the victors, that the Catholic Church wrote the history of the Cathar and the Albigensian Crusade, and they presented it as a branch of Christian heretic, you know, right. of Christian heresy. Yep. That they were hiding the fact that it was actually a cult of. The continuation of the belief and the worship of Isis, Horus, things of that nature. And there's just really nothing there. There's just really nothing. Although it's a fascinating, fascinating comparison. And like I said, I wanted to bring it up because the what it, it does segue into a couple open-ended series that we have. Right. And that also allows me an opportunity to tell our listeners and explain to them, listen, we've kind of purposefully left this open. Right. It's not, you know, we've not been uh, dragging our feet on it. I wanted to get to this first because there is a loose tie-in. Right. And, and in the subsequent episodes on the Cathars, you're going to be hear, hearing us talk a little bit about the Voynich Manuscript. Right. I wanted you to have some contextual, as listeners, I wanted you to have some contextual background as to what we're saying when we, because the Voynich Manuscript is really the only piece of written history from that time period that that we can solidly reference that's not produced by right. the Catholic Church. Hmm. That's 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 an interesting fact right there. That's Okay. Okay. That's all I can say about it because we just went through that and I'm sitting here going, "Holy cow. Now that's making sense. That's making sense. That's making sense." And it was just kind of not full circle for me, but it, it helped tie up a few loose ends. Yeah. And now I'm even more excited to listen to Beyond the Walls podcast when we do finish those up and put the bow on uh, on the present. Yeah. All right. So let's get down and let's land this thing. What do you say? <laughs> uh, you first. Okay. So I'll, I'll go first with asking you a question. What's your theory? What do you think? Voynich Manuscript. What is it? What is it to Michael Walker? Uh, to me, 
I, I believe it is, and, and you have to excuse me, I want to pause, it's not for dramatic reasons or dramatical reasons whatsoever, just looking at all the data and going back and putting this all together and what it means to me, I strongly believe it was a book written for not necessarily guidelines, but uh, comfort, a medicinal book of, okay, well, the botanical portion of it, you know, showed this, 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 and this, and we still see the bullet points of this, 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 and this. I honestly believe that it was written for a a, a small tribe, small group, something of of how to continue life. Um, look at the waterway system. I believe that was well in advance of an irrigate, uh, irrigation system. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the plants that is around this tribe right now, uh, you know, this is what we need to see, this is what we need to use, and where we don't have the codex to tell exactly what it is, even though we still see things that well, we believe this is what it is and we believe this is what it is, we don't know. When it boils down to the end of the day, we don't know. But I, I, on, I honestly believe that the Voynich Manuscript was a book of, not necessarily of life, but to help life. Mm-hmm. But it's in uh, we found this out of a small tribe that we didn't know. That that's what I honestly believe. Just looking at all this and, and putting it all together, um, as much as I want to go, it's aliens, man. I can't because when I look at the facts, figures, statistics on this, and I'm looking at it and and the and the methodology and just everything in it, I'm sitting there going, well, this is a guideline book. You know, I I spent many, many years in emergency medicine, and this is just, well, when this happens, you do this, this, and this. Well, when they get into this, you do this, this, and this. If we are traveling north, we need to look at this, this, and this. And that goes back to the astrological point of it. So that's that's what it looks like to me. Gotcha. So what about you, Mr. James? What do you believe? So I am a huge if you haven't picked up on it already since if this we're in our 60s as far as episodes i can't remember exactly what the count was but if you've not picked up on it yet uh through your listening i'm a huge lord of the rings fan mm-hmm. i'm a huge J.R.R. tolkien fan yes i um, love his writings love just, just love the history of the man what right. he stood for what we have in tolkien is we have a gentleman who created worlds who created languages, who created systems and cultures and behaviors and I mean all the way down to the way that they dress, the the you know, the dwarves with the geometric, you know, they're 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 the rough mining people who everything's cut, you know, angularly. Then you have the elvish people who are very fluid, so everything's with more of a abstract type thing. So I think that if you have this type of man, uh, which Tolkien to me is at the top of his game and is at the, he's the best at what he had, what he's what he did. Right. The reason that I say that is because that's kind of where I lean in the Voynich manuscript as well. That you are dealing with someone who is an impressive impressively creative individual i believe that it was created as a work of art 
I don't believe that it was any type of code. I don't believe that it was any type of secret to life. Now, you know, if, if you're looking at it, you know, what you were saying was, you know, this is maybe something from a tribe that's going to be handed down. And we're not quite into the period of enlightenment yet, but we're kind of knocking on the door because now there are some people who believe that the enlightenment period, which is basically most widely accepted is in the 1700s. There are some people who will backdate that now into even the 1620s. So we're not too far removed from the Enlightenment period, but we are making that transition of where people, you know, take things and lore and history and their knowledge that they want to pass on. Right. We're we're moving from it from being just strictly oral tradition and oral history and things that are passed down orally and we're moving more into the realm of it being passed down in written languages that's that's good i believe that this was a history of middle earth so to speak I believe this come from someone who is creative, who is creating languages, who is creating cultures, who is creating worlds. And it was something that not only was he he or she doing it for them, I believe that they were doing it for the generations to come, almost as a family heirloom type thing. Right. I have zero anything to substantiate that as far as here is the evidence as to why other than that is just what makes sense to me you know this is the beautifully frustrating part of the voynich manuscript Mm -hmm. is just as that quote that we read a little bit earlier that there's no real way that you can substantiate anything there's no way you can confirm nor deny any types of claims or theories or hypothesis or anything like that because aliens man has just as much evidence to it as this was just a monk who got bored yeah in a bad winter storm one year yep um so you can't you 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 cannot box this in you cannot boil it down to hear at least we know it's this right because we don't there's just as much of a possibility that you know what there's a lot of theories out there that voynich himself hoaxed this thing into existence right and there's that's just as plausible to me as anything else that we have covered right but here's the beautiful thing about the voynich manuscript is that unless With items like this in history, these mysteries that will probably never be solved, the things that we cannot wrap our minds around, the things that we cannot understand, the things that we cannot fully comprehend, they will either drive us crazy or they will whet our appetites to continue to go beyond the walls of what we know. Once again, we'd like to say thank you to our sponsors, the Commercial Bank of Grayson. Since 1891, the Commercial Bank of Grayson has been serving the Eastern Kentucky area. They're a member FDIC and equal housing lender. We'd also like to say thank you to McFarland Murray Chevrolet and their continued support of Beyond the Walls podcast. If you are interested in either the Commercial Bank of Grayson or McFarland Murray Chevrolet, we invite you to check them out online 
For the Commercial Bank, cbgrayson.com and mcfarlandmurrayschevrolet.com. But most importantly, we would like to say thank you to you, our listener. So again, thank you. Connect with us via Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook. You can email us at beyondthewallspodcast at gmail.com. We look forward to seeing you again very soon.